Today's episode of Locked On Box is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here uh, back. I'm back on a post-game pod. I didn't think I was going to be doing these for a couple of weeks, but uh, listen, it's 2021. Uh, we all got sent home from the Australian Open due to a little COVID scare uh, at the event there. And the consolation prize was that I get to do this podcast and watch a full live game of the Bucks destroying the Pacers 130-110. to Joining me to talk about it, is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And Frank, uh, I listened to the post-game pod after Portland, and I think you described it as a sigh of relief win or something along those lines. Uh, this was the confirmation of the sigh of relief win for mine. The Pacers on the second end of a back-to-back and still missing some key players who, you know, quite truthfully, they're probably going to miss for an extended period of time. And obviously, TJ Warren, Karius Levert as well. But nonetheless, uh, the Pacers have been playing pretty solid basketball this season, and it does feel good uh, to blow out another team and pick up back-to-back wins and try and erase the memories of that weekend. Yeah, and we were talking before we came on here. Uh, it's two straight games now where the the, the fourth quarter garbage time has, <laughs> has made the game look closer than, than, it, than it actually was. Uh, you know, this game was at what forty points? I think it was one fourteen seventy four at one point. Yeah, and uh, the Pacers, uh, thirty eight to twenty four in that fourth quarter to to make it look vaguely respectable, but uh, ultimately, obviously, a another very tidy win. And uh, you know, it's it's funny how it works out, right? I was looking at the Giannis's splits and wins versus losses, and you know, his scoring average is is just. I think like 31 or 32 in losses and like 24 in wins or something like that. Cause they've just had so many blowouts and games where like, you know, they just make so many shots that they don't even really need him to do a whole lot. And tonight he, he definitely did a bunch of stuff. I mean, 21 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, a block plus 30 on seven of eight from the field and seven, eight from the foul line, which is nice to see. Um, didn't take a three pointer. In fact, didn't take a shot outside of the restricted area tonight and um the last two games he's basically only taken shots at the basket uh of course he hasn't taken that many shots and hasn't scored very many points but they really haven't needed him to to do a whole lot and tonight we saw him in that distributor role for much of the night obviously 10 assists in 30 minutes um you know underscores that but uh yeah it was it was a you know i guess like i was saying the other night sort of nice to see a reaffirmation that you know, other teams don't 
can't just come in and hit 23s every night against the Bucks. And tonight, Pacers 11 out of 34 from three. Uh, they did get you know more hay than than you'd normally expect from Bucks opponents in the paint. 56 to 48, they actually won the battle of the paint, but um, not a lot of fouls called in this game. And you know, ultimately, Bucks fifth straight Bucks game with a 20 plus three point shooting team. Uh, but again, second straight game that it's the Bucks who hit 20 tonight, 21 out of 48. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the Bucks are pretty fun <laughs> when the Bucks are shooting like this and the opponent is, is not completely lighting them up. They, they become a very fun team. And it, I keep waiting for this offensive rating to start regressing uh, and just night in night out. I mean, again, tonight, 122 offensive rating, they're up, they're up to 118.6, I think as of, as of this game. And we keep waiting for that to kind of go down. But, uh, you know, even as the defense, the defense has had maybe some issues, the offense just continues to click. And, uh, you know, even in the, these losses, the offense obviously also was putting up huge numbers. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a bit different. But uh, these last two games obviously have felt more like the Bucks we were hoping to see. Yeah, I made the joke uh, that when Giannis went into this distributing mode, which, as you sort of pointed to, we've seen it feels like a lot more over the last couple of weeks uh, rather than the the flat-out downhill scoring mode that we've seen him in the past. Not only does it feel like his free-throw attempts have been lowered a little bit, his assist numbers have obviously been climbing and picks up the triple-double uh, tonight, but uh, that's, as you mentioned, the three-point shot, not really taking jump shots. The second time in a row he hasn't attempted a three for the first time since March 2018, which was when uh, the last season that Jason Kidd was coach of this team. So it's certainly significant, but I didn't necessarily think that the wide open threes that we often see with Giannis in the past were there. And I think it was partly with the way that he was guarded by the Pacers. Certainly on a couple of occasions, Miles Turner was a fair way up guarding him on the perimeter. And we saw Giannis being able to go to that spin move and get to the basket and score. And, you know, we haven't seen him go to that spin move a lot this season. It doesn't feel like. And Miles Turner's been really an elite shot blocker this season so far. I'm not sure if he's still over four per game, but he certainly was uh, going back a week or so ago. And I know he's a little bit banged up as well, but Giannis did a good job of scoring around Miles Turner. And then the other thing that we saw was the Pacers try and defend Giannis with the little guy. And sometimes it was Malcolm Brogdon. And it did feel that it took the Bucks a little bit of time to figure that out early in the game. And they were really just riding uh, some pretty hot three-point shooting, which we've seen in the past. But I thought as the game wore on, uh, we saw Giannis be able to pick apart those situations, even if they threw a double team at him. And I think it's interesting when teams try to go small defending Giannis and bring the double team with a big guy because it always seems to me, I'm not sure if you feel the same, but it, it feels like in the past when Giannis has been defended by a bigger guy, a more stronger guy that can body him a little bit, he seems to have trouble when the double team comes from a smaller guy that can kind of steal the ball or, or poke poke their hands in there a little bit. Indiana kind of went the other way and Giannis just didn't seem to have too many problems. He was uh, he did have four turnovers on the night, but overall, again, seemed to be uh, pretty well in control. Yeah, it was very strange uh, seeing Giannis not only being guarded by a, a, a wing or in, in Brogdon's case, I mean, technically a point guard, although Brogdon's obviously more of wing size, but to see a wing and then running big, big pick and rolls to see the wing going over the screen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's kind of, it's sort of what, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like of some of the games that the Bucks have, you know, played where 
teams try to take advantage of, of them trying to go for screens. Like I'm thinking of like that Detroit game uh, where they tried to run a bunch of big, big pick and rolls with Blake and, and, you know, one of the 80 other big men that the Pistons have. And, you know, the first, at first Buck's trying to go over that screen and then they eventually just decide, all right, we're just going to switch it. And I, I didn't really understand why they weren't kind of more directly switching it. It was, it was almost like, you know, they would send the guy over the screen, the smaller guy over the screen. And, but typically at that point, Giannis sort of had, would have Turner, whoever sort of on their, on their back heels anyway. And, you know, Giannis using that speed got to the rim uh, a couple times. Turner did get him once, uh, I think blocked his shot uh, in the third quarter. I believe that was his only miss on one of those, but for the most part, I thought the Bucks handled it well. And not just Giannis driving to the basket, but um, kind of the confusion of going over that screen and the big man having to retreat <coughs> back a little bit, um, set up Brooke Lopez for at least two or three open looks off little pick and pops. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's not typical of the way we see the Bucks generating offense, but it was, uh, it was obviously an effective way to, to generate open looks tonight. And, you know, Indiana went to, zone for a bit and you know kind of nothing really ultimately slowed the bucks down and obviously on the night when you shoot uh and make 21 threes a zone or anything else pretty much you know the odds are none of those things are, are really going to be very effective so um so certainly a little different offense offensive sort of tactics that they've had to use but um you know i, I don't know i a year ago I, I actually went to the indiana game around christmas where I don't know if it was the first time they tried it. I didn't really recall Nate McMillan doing it previously, but they put Brogdon on Giannis in that game, and it was kind of like Giannis was trying to figure out what to do with him, you know, because Brogdon's obviously strong, uh, and they were kind of fronting in the post, and, you know, it took they won that game pretty easily, but Giannis took a, a while to kind of get on track. And so it wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't the first time that he's seen that tonight with Brogdon starting off on him. Um, but it, it obviously is a, a bit different from what he normally sees night to night. You know, I mean, the, versus the other extreme, right, of putting DeAndre Jordan on him standing, you know, at, at, at the below the foul line. Um, so I think for Giannis, it's good reps, good good opportunity to try different things, get get different looks, and have to adapt a little bit. But I didn't think Indiana – I know let's just say that I, well, I did not, was not a, very impressed by the game plan given they kind of kept doing the same thing, and it, it seemed like they never really found any any real obvious way to, to try to slow him down. Obviously, doubling him in the post – We'll take the ball out of his hands, but uh, clearly it didn't didn't bother the Bucks a whole lot given the way they were shooting the ball. All right, time to talk about RockAuto.com, our sponsors of the show. You didn't set me up with a joke this time, so I can't really bring us in with anything entertaining. But uh, RockAuto.com is serious business. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for twenty years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, whatever you need, they've got it. Whether it's a tail lamp, maybe motor oil, need some new carpet, whatever you need, they've got it. Uh, for whatever car you've got, you can find everything in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door, which has uh, never been more handy than it is in 2021. Uh, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box and they will know you came from us Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now on the Locked On Podcast Network, 
uh, you can listen to Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned the defense at DeAndre Jordan uh, or what the Brooklyn Nets were trying to do with Giannis. And if everyone listening remembers, as you sort of pointed to, DeAndre Jordan was, it almost felt like he was back in the restricted circle, just about he was that deep. On yesterday's podcast, I referenced some of the half-court numbers. The Bucks, according to Clint in Glass, are third in offensive efficiency in the half-court, but they are last in half-court offensive possession frequency. So you expect, as we've seen in years gone by, that this is going to increase when it comes to the playoffs. I was still watching tonight's game and then thinking to myself, I'm not actually 100% sure, particularly on a night where Giannis isn't shooting threes and isn't shooting jump shots, why they don't try and bait him into shooting those jump shots more often. And I know that that was obviously exaggerated against Brooklyn and the Bucks actually showed in the fourth quarter a counter to that. But do you still feel that that is going to be the biggest challenge and the biggest question for the Bucks and Giannis to answer against these better teams when it comes to the postseason? Because we've spoke about the three-point shooting of Giannis and I know a lot of the reaction that I've seen on Twitter is fans saying, good, well, don't shoot the three. We don't want you shooting three. This is what we should be doing. But the calculus changes a little bit when they are defending you the way Brooklyn did. And I do feel that the later we get in the season and certainly in the playoffs, you are still going to see that because that's where you're asking the questions the most of Giannis on how he can be an effective and efficient offensive player when he's kind of not being guarded. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends a lot on the opponent. Uh, I think Brooklyn... Presumably, it's going to be interesting to see the next time that those teams play. I imagine we'll see sort of a similar approach, my, my guess is. Um, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, Philly's probably the more interesting team because we've obviously seen Embiid be tasked with defending Giannis uh, one-on-one uh, a lot in, in recent years. That was obviously under Brett Brown. I don't know if Doc Rivers would take a, a different tack. Um, you know, they have also Ben Simmons who has really not seemed to have much success against Giannis, even though Simmons is super quick, great defender, especially of smaller guys. But it just seems like his, it just doesn't seem like he's strong enough to really defend Giannis. But, <clears throat> but that would probably be the most interesting thing is if, you know, you see a Sixers um, buck series where, where Embiid is, is, you know, let, let's, and let's be honest, Joel Embiid playing, trying to play him some mind games, sagging off of Giannis, trying to bait him into shooting threes. That would, certainly be very consistent with the Joel Embiid tactics we've seen in the past. And uh, obviously like that Christmas game, you know, and it's something the Bucks have done too, right? You basically just tell a bigger guy who's not a great shooter. All right, go ahead, go beat us, you know, go hit three out of seven or whatever. And if you hit two out of seven, then we like those odds. You know, we, we like those numbers, right? And if you go <laughs> oh out of seven, which I think is what Giannis did in that Christmas game, then uh, we really like our odds because we're really kind of getting in your head. But uh, so, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I think the, or, you know, Giannis is such a unique talent. I think he'll always probably inspire some teams to take different approaches to try to slow him down. And certainly the more he sees that's different, probably the better it is. Right. So get him different reps, different looks. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think even when it's, whether it's Rudy Gobert, any of these guys, like it just doesn't seem like any big guy can really slow him down. 1v1 like that that just doesn't seem like a tactic that he's going to be able to be slowed down with consistently and he's seen it enough now um 
but obviously the, you know, putting small guys on them too, that obviously also has some obvious weaknesses. So um, yeah, uh, bring it on. Right. Uh, but, but I think, <clears throat> I think the other point though is, you know, you, you, what you're alluding to is, Hey, it's cool that Giannis just gets really aggressive and he's basically just driving to the basket and only shooting there, but yeah, you know, okay, if you want Giannis to be a dominant, you know, 28 to 30 point per game scorer, he can't just do that. <laughs> he's got to take some jump shots. He's got to do different stuff. Because uh, the last two games, he hasn't he hasn't really shot, obviously, any real jump, sh- hasn't really been a jump shooter at all. And he hasn't taken many shots and hasn't scored that many points, right? So the efficiency has been awesome, but I don't think we want to see, you know, third banana Giannis as, as a thing either. You said before we started recording, you were having some chips and salsa. I think that might have gone down the wrong way or something. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if, you, if you're doing okay. Yeah, I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got a cough, got to clear my, clear my throat a little bit, but uh, they were worth it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm hungry, actually. I am hungry. But Drew Holiday, I thought we could talk about him. You already mentioned the stats. It's kind of a funny box score to look at. Morky had seven players in double digits. You get 59 points off the bench again. Uh, not necessarily padded out by that fourth quarter, as you mentioned. Bryn Forbes had 20 points at 15 shots. He led the team in field goal attempts. I'm not sure how many times we're going to see that this season. Uh, Bobby Portis, again, four for five from three, 18 points, nine rebounds. He continues to have a, a really hot stretch, particularly in games that the Bucks win by a lot. But Drew Holiday defensively, we did talk about Malcolm Brogdon a little bit, but this is the second game in a row that Drew Holiday has really clamped down and done a fantastic job in an individual matchup with a, a star guard from the other team. And Brogdon certainly has been playing like a star this season, efficiently scoring 20-plus points. He only had 12 points on 5 for 17 shooting. Drew Holiday had his hands in everything. He was picking players for steals. He had three steals altogether, 5 for 9. So he was efficient from the field, but just didn't do a whole lot of scoring in this one. But again, I kind of floated this idea on a podcast, uh, I believe it was with Justin earlier in the season. But the fascinating thing about Drew Holiday for me inserting him into this team is that he has always been known as an elite on-ball defender and he's repeatedly said this season every time I've had a chance to speak to him that he wants to defend one-on-one and that's why he likes switching because it brings out the pride in players individual defense he likes the challenge he's been telling uh, his teammates to stop over helping when he's got a guy one-on-one that's something we've spoken about a lot, Frank, as well. But I, I do think it's an interesting fit with this team inserting Drew Holiday into what has been such a complete team defense over the last couple of years. We know it's taken some time uh, to figure it out. But I think when you look at uh, Damian Lillard, the Ellen and there was some help, obviously, from Brook Lopez and Giannis uh, when Lillard was able to penetrate the paint. But when you look at that matchup with Lillard, you look tonight with a guy like Brogdon, we've seen other individual instances, you do get the sense and you get kind of a feeling of what you might see in the postseason if you are playing a Brooklyn team and Drew Holiday is guarding Kyrie Irving one-on-one or whoever it may be, Jason Tatum perhaps, if it's the Celtics, uh, one-on-one when he is really locked in on a particular matchup. He's pretty special to watch. I mean, there's not too many players around the league where you watch them defensively and you say, this is just really, really fun and really entertaining to watch them defensively, but he's certainly one of them. Yeah, one of my favorite things that he does is is how he can sort of, I don't, and it's not sidestep, but but if if a screen is coming, he's he's often able to move laterally and just and just squeeze squeeze right over a screen yeah. without having to like turn his body. Even like he maintains like basically still facing 
you know, the basically towards like mid court and he just sort of just somehow just laterally um, slips over a screen and, and, you know, obviously frustrating if you're trying to put a body on him as a, as a screener, cause he's just kind of hard to, to hit. Um, so yeah, it's impressive. I, I mean, it's interesting with Drew cause he definitely still makes mistakes. Like, like Brogdon's yeah. hit a three early in this game and it was like, Drew just seemed kind of like he just didn't get over a screen and just didn't really go out to contest. Just didn't seem to be very urgent, have much urgency. Um, which to me is more just probably a sign of how hard it is to play defense every possession, like at a really high level. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I mean, here's the thing, right? Like this is sort of the irony of the, um, of sort of like the, the kind of philosophical, um, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, the, it, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, Eric's published a, a few articles where he'll ask Giannis about something defensively and then he'll ask Drew Holiday. And it's like, they are coming at from two different philosophies. Normally it's, you know, Drew sort of arguing for the, you know, accountability, defend your guy, don't give me any help, blah, blah, blah type thing. And, and Giannis being like the help defender, defensive player of the year uh, guy, right? Like that's how Giannis won DPOI because he's a great help defender and that helped the Bucks be the number one defense in the league. And it, I don't know, it's, it's a really interesting kind of tension and, and balance that the Bucks are, are having to strike. Um, and it's obviously very much a work in progress. Um, you know, I'll say this, has Drew Holiday been on an elite defense in the NBA? I, I don't, I, I think he's made, the Pelicans may have had like one year where they were like decent, <laughs> but, yeah. but like, you know, that's the irony as good as Drew Holiday has been. I mean, he's never really played in, for good teams. So that also may be part of why he is such a, uh, you know, pro sort of isolation defense guy. Cause yeah, he's never he's really to. probably played on teams <laughs> where um, he could really rely on guys to actually be in the right places and do the right stuff. Uh, and again, it's none of this is to say that, you know, the bucks way is the best way. And Drew just needs to, you know, start going over every screen and over helping and all, and all that stuff. Cause I think there's, um, there's a way to find the happy medium um, and, and do it in different ways. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting that that kind of subtle tension between the way Drew is used to playing and wants to play and, and the way the Bucks have historically played. And obviously I think very obviously the Bucks are trying to find that middle ground to, to put not just holiday, but some of the other, you know, defensive weapons they have um, in the best positions to succeed. So very, very much work in progress in that regard, but I'll just say it was nice to see two straight games where uh, I think 102.9 defensive rating tonight, 102.5 the other night. Uh, nice to, to not have a 130 uh, rating hung on you in uh, 23s and, and all that. Um, Bucks, are, Bucks are up to 12th in defense, so they're, 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 they're above average again, which is, which is nice to see. And um, yeah, I think I think the most interesting question is just going to be where where does that opponent three point percentage go over the coming you know weeks and months, and does it move back towards something closer to what we saw a year ago, or can teams continue to shoot at a uh, you know at, at a really high level uh, against the Bucks? Um, and you know it's funny I, I was listening back to the podcast the solo pod, and by the way, solo pods are annoying because I actually have to think about what I'm going to say in advance, <laughs> which um, you know, it may not seem like I actually put together uh, some notes 
to, to help me stay organized because it probably still felt pretty chaotic. But um, one, one thing I, I wanted to, uh, I, I, I started talking about something and then I didn't, I didn't sort of finish the thread. Um, but I, I, so I figured I'd just mention it quickly. So, cause I was looking at the numbers, right. And the bucks were at about 4% worse, three, 4% worse in terms of opponent three point percentage the other day when I was looking at this. And so when you give up 40, 43 point attempts per game, and they're pretty much exactly the same this year as last year, uh, you know, 40, you know, 4% of, of 40 is 1.6, right? So that means basically for the same volume of threes, 1.6 more threes are going in. Okay. Multiply that by three. That's an extra five points a game that you're giving up just because of that small uptick in your opponent three point percentage. And so what does five points mean, right? Well, I mean, as I was looking at it, the Bucks were at 110 even defensive rating and the Lakers were at 104.8. That was the, the best uh, defense in the league. And it just sort of shows you, I mean, again, opponents shoot a little bit better from three and literally that's the difference between being the best defense in the league and being at the time, the 15th ranked defense in the league. Right. So it's, it's funny cause that, you know, it doesn't always seem like it's a huge margin, huge difference. And who knows how long, you know, sort of teams can seemingly stay hot against you. And sometimes, you know, every year, you know, there, there's a, there's a distribution, and some teams give up a much higher percentage than others. And so I think if you're the Bucks, you obviously just hope that it's, it's noise and there's not something systematically happening behind it. Because, uh, you know, yeah, you'd feel a lot better if you were closer to the Lakers than, uh, than where the Bucks are now. But um, I'd encourage uh, – this is something that's kind of been brought up. You guys have made some summit on Twitter. But uh, I mentioned, you know, the, the Heat and Raptors have been even worse defensively than the Bucks this year. And those teams are also teams that gave up a lot of three pointers a year ago and, and still do this year. And so there's been this interesting, you know, uh, thing where these teams that gave up lots of three point attempts, but pretty much locked everything else down and were great defenses because of it this year, they've all dropped off with the bucks and Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton talked about it on the low post. Um, I guess when you guys listen to it, it came out, I think today. So Wednesday, really good listen about the 30 minute mark is when they start talking about the bucks and they talk a bit about kind of that phenomenon um, of, of, you know, kind of teams that prioritize rim defense and how they've had drop-offs in terms of the overall defensive production. Um, so it's worth listening to I, You know, there's no, I don't think there's any final, it's not like there's some final answer here of, you know, the bucks are screwed or the bucks are just unlucky. I think there's always a combination of different things happening. But I, th- I thought it was, you know, I think for people who are, especially over last weekend, got super depressed and paranoid about, you know, the jig is up and the Bucks just suck now. <laughs> you know, it's a good reminder that two guys who are very smart, you know, they're, they, they, were, they were noting as well the, the importance of, of trying, switching, and doing different things to get some of these reps in early. And I, th- I did think it was interesting, Zach mentioned, you know, we haven't really seen Giannis at center very much at all. And we talked about that, especially in that Raptors game, because we saw him play with Torrey Craig a little bit. And that's really the only lineup that we've, the only lineup that sort of fits the normal rotation, where I think you could say Giannis is actually really the center, because when he's with Portis or Lopez, he's kind of more the, you know, the four. Um, so they kind of called that out, that, that we really haven't seen that Giannis at the, four, at the five lineup much, much at all, which I thought was a, an interesting note. 
Um, and again, not, not to say that that is somehow the Bucks, you know, solution to, to their defensive problems, but, um, but yeah, good podcast. Um, I think some interesting talking points and some good perspective as well, especially given the way that, you know, inside the Bucks bubble, there's been a lot of anxiety and shouting and uh, paranoia. So always good to have some smart people who maybe aren't part of that. And they did actually, Zach did make fun of Bucks Twitter uh, a little bit. <laughs> which was probably somewhat deserved but uh but anyway um good good to have an outside perspective and it's not just you know hopefully we're we're pretty balanced in in how we approach this stuff um but it was nice to see uh smart people who uh have a broader perspective on the league having kind of a similar perspective all right, we are just days away from the Super Bowl. And if you are into sports betting, betonline.ag is the place to go for any of those uh, weird lines, weird props, whatever it is. They've got it all. And uh, as we said, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus uh, if you aren't interested in even looking at the Super Bowl, I cannot blame you. Uh, but if you want to check out the NBA, uh, last time I looked, the Bucks were still second favorite to come out of the East behind the Brooklyn Nets. If you like that, uh, you can check that out as well. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And once you're done, you can jump onto cbdmd.com because the holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch up on some much-needed sleep. And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder than the NBA media is sleeping. I need a new joke, but I'm still going to keep going with Drew Holiday because they just don't get it. They don't understand how good this guy is. And if you want to relax a little before bed, the new CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience. It's honestly fantastic. They are available in lavender or eucalyptus scents, as well as soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. Uh, it all sounds pretty good to me. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they are offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA, 25% off your purchase of Siberia CBD products from CBDMD. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. In fact, he's the second most trusted Australian in the Lockdown Network behind me. So subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. Just a couple of numbers to wrap up some of those thoughts. So uh, per cleaning the glass, Giannis has played 623 minutes. I'm going to assume this was prior to tonight. 623 minutes so far this season. 96% of those have come at the four, only 4% at center. And yeah, with the combination of Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, essentially, you know, split in 48 minutes, almost right down the middle. Uh, we just have not seen a lot of the small ball lineups there. And as far as the three-pointers go, this is a streak of five straight games 
where a team, whether it's the Bucks or the opponents, has hit 20-plus threes. The Bucks uh, have obviously done it the last two. And the three games prior to that, Toronto, New Orleans, and Charlotte did it as well. The Bucks have done it five times this season. Uh, that's a franchise record. And we are only 21 games into the season. So, I mean, teams are just shooting a ridiculous percentage right now in games. And whether or not you know, teams are still having off nights, we've seen the Bucks have off nights in particular. But it is funny when you look at the numbers. We know the Bucks in particular have given up a lot of above-the-break threes over the course of Mike Budenholzer's uh, time in Milwaukee. And uh, opponents are shooting 38% above the break so far against the Bucks, which is a, a crazy high number. But that is actually seventh in the league. Uh, the teams are, are just shooting like crazy all over the place. And it's funny when you go down the bottom of this list, two teams that are in the bottom, a uh, few teams in regards to opponent three-point percentage, the Lakers and the Utah Jazz as well, two teams that are playing really well. Is that because they're defending the three better? Or is that a little bit of luck there? The Lakers in particular... Uh, only teams are only shooting 32% from the corners against the Lakers on threes, which obviously is a pretty low number there. So we're seeing some weird stuff. It might start to even out as the season goes on as well. But I like we've said this, I would have more concerns if the Bucks were giving up 20 plus threes per game and doing it the exact same way that we've seen in previous years. That hasn't uh, been the case. Uh, there's been breakdowns. There's been some basketball that's been tough to watch. It's been frustrating at times. But at least they're doing it in different ways, which, again, if you're going to uh, try and work some things out, you're better off doing it in the front half of the season than trying to do it on the fly in Game 4 of a playoff series when you desperately need to win. But for now, uh, the Bucks are shooting well enough themselves at 40%, which itself is just insane. Imagine if you're a team coming up against the Bucks and they're shooting 40% on the season. It's going to be frustrating uh, coming up against this Milwaukee team at the moment as well, Frank. But I don't know. I don't know what to read into it. I guess we're going to see what happens over the next couple of months. Yeah, I think, you know, if the Bucks stop shooting the crazy high percentage themselves, I suppose it would only be fair if, uh, if the <laughs> opponent percentage also went down a little bit because um, they've certainly been, been much more prone to shootouts this season than, than previous years. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the offensive explosion is, again, has often been just sort of ignored because of obviously not, not winning at quite the same level that we've expected. And the defense obviously has been the, the weak part of that equation. But at a minimum, it's, it's encouraging that what happened in the offseason, I think, obviously has brought some trade-offs defensively, and we'll see how that shakes out. But clearly they wanted to improve their shooting and improve their ability to attack offensively. And um, nothing will be proven until the playoffs, but um, certainly early returns have been positive in that regard. Just, you know, there's some historic shooting performances by the Bucks so far, and you just hope that that, uh, that continues. All right, 130-110. The Bucks handle the paces. They're going to be hitting the road here. They've had a little bit of a quiet week at home, only two games uh, during the Monday to, to Friday stretch there or to where we are in the middle of the week here so far. The Bucks are 13 and 8. They're hanging around there at the top of the East. So all things considered, they're still in a decent spot here uh, while they continue to improve. And continue. By the way, two, two, two small things. Two, uh, yeah. I, I meant to mention it the other night, but... Drew Holiday didn't have a dunk all year, and then he had two dunks, two yeah, lefty yeah, dunks yeah, in about yeah. like the span of a minute, I think, against uh, the Blazers. And Torrey Craig hadn't made a three all year, hit two threes tonight. So uh, hmm. my friend Steve Von Horn will release his doves to memorialize. Uh, I don't know. They might be dead at this point. Um, 
the, the, the doves that he was keeping in reserve here, right? to celebrate uh, Torrey Craig's first three pointers as a buck. It, it took, took quite a while. Uh, obviously he hasn't played a ton of minutes, but nice to see Torrey Craig get a shot to go down. Um, he's had some awkward moments, let's say. Mm. He had that one like attempted lefty layup that went off the bottom of the backboard tonight. Um, Torrey Craig, not exactly the guy I want with the ball in his hand when I, <laughs> when I need a bucket. But not, not that we expected that, but uh, he's, he's had some awkward moments. Yeah, he's been having a little bit of fun out there uh, in some of these games and perhaps extending uh, his game a little bit or trying to. And it's been a little bit awkward to watch, but... Uh, you know, it was, was good to see him hit a couple of threes. And the second one above the break was looking pretty damn nice, actually. But he finished with eight points, three steals. Uh, I think everyone's still happy to have Tory Craig in the lineup. But uh, I think I messaged this uh, to you during the game. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't keep track of who the fans like and who they don't like. Uh, it seems to be swinging and changing. I know Dante, we haven't spoke about him, but he's been in the gun a little bit. So he had four threes tonight, 16 points. Um, after a little bit of a scratchy start, but they've been trying to get him involved as well. But uh, overall, I, I, I listened to the pod, but it's never as fun when you do a solo pod. So uh, this was like yeah. a benefit of not working. I got to hang out with you a little bit, which is always good. Yeah, and Dante was the guy who had a random, well, not random, but either Sabonis or Turner was having to guard him because they were not putting <laughs> either guy on Giannis. So it was kind of a funny first few minutes because it was like Dante just trying to hunt shots against uh, against big guys, which again, Dante, uh, you don't need to be dribbling in and taking contested mid-range jump shots against anyone, uh, especially not a big man, but um, good to see him get, get some shots to go down because he's obviously a guy who often is a little bit of a bellwether, right? He's mm-hmm. the fifth man on in that starting five, but uh, certainly a guy when, when he's, when he's right and hitting shots feels like, Feels like it's uh, everything's a lot easier for the Bucks offensively. All right, we'll leave it there. The Bucks will be back in a couple of days. Like I said, they're heading out on the road, but we'll have a podcast on Friday to preview everything that's going to happen on this road trip. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, like always, if you are listening to us for the first time, we're here Monday to Friday. You can subscribe, rate, all those cool things as well. Uh, for Frank and myself, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow. Uh, stay safe. Catch you then. Today's episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com.